0: On this episode of This Week in Linux, we got a lot of releases. Ubuntu and all of the flavors have released 19.04 versions of their system, along with an interesting update from the Ubuntu derivative Pop! OS with their 19.04 release. The KDE community announced the availability of a bunch of new versions of various KDE applications, also version 19.04. We'll take a look at some other releases and updates from OpenSSH, NVIDIA, PinePhone, Librem 5, and more. We'll also check out some great Linux gaming deals for for this week, including a great update for Valve's Steam Play. All that and much more coming up. I'm Michael Tennell with Tux Digital, and this is your weekly source for Linux good news. First in the show this week is the big news from the Ubuntu team, and that is Ubuntu 1904 Disco Dingo has been released. And I still like the name Disco Dingo. It's fun. It's ridiculous. The wallpaper is fun. The icon thing. I like it. Anyway, so the Ubuntu 1904 comes with a lot of cool stuff. In fact, it comes with GNOME 3.32. But in my opinion, the best thing about it is the the benefits to the entire base with the kernel 5.0 and the Mesa 19 drivers, which gives you support for a lot of new hardware, including the AMD Radeon 7, that's like the the flagship thing for for AMD right now. So that is awesome, because people can have access to it, and hopefully the 1804 version gets a backport from 1904 with the hardware enablement stack, getting the 5.0, and then retroactively getting support for the Radeon 7, because that would be fantastic. Moving on from that, uh, they've also added some stuff for uh, GeoClue integration. They've added some experimental fractional scaling support for the Wayland session as well as the Xorg session. Now, if you have a monitor that is high DPI, consider taking it back if you purchase it recently and go get a fourteen forty p because it's a be- it's a more resolution than a ten eighty p, but at the same time doesn't have to deal with the high DPI stuff and has better re- frame uh, refresh rates, so it's better for gaming. That's just a, a side note, but anyway. If you do have a high DPI and you can't take it back and get a 1440p, then you can use the fractional scaling inside of the latest version of Ubuntu. So there's that. And another really interesting change to this release is that the NVIDIA installation for the drivers is much more simple and much easier to do. So when you install your system for the first time and ask you if you want to do the third-party software checkbox, and if you check that box, it will automatically automatically uh, find out what your GPU is, and then get the, the drivers that are for your GPU to easily install the NVIDIA drivers. Well, much better than it previously was, because in some cases people would get Ubuntu installed and then not realize that they have to install the NVIDIA drivers because they didn't know that they needed to, or how to do it. And this way, it just makes it a much easier thing because when you're in the, when you're going through the installation process, most people do say click to install third-party uh, packages and stuff. So that is fantastic news because it makes it a lot easier for people to use uh, this, you know, NVIDIA users to use it. Now, if you you had AMD, you don't have to worry about it because it's just built in the kernel and you just load the system and it's fine. But if you do have NVIDIA, there's that now. So that's good. (laughs) Anyway, they've also done a lot of other things like some bug fixes and and performance improvements and overall Uh, it's a great update and I look forward to trying out uh, this new version as well because I actually haven't used GNOME in a while so I do want I want to check that out and um, I also want to see if the uh, the 5.0 and the Mesa drivers go to the 1804 because that would be fantastic so hope that happens anyway let's go to the next topic which is also an Ubuntu thing but we're going to go into the flavors now so let's do that and the first flavor we're going to talk about is Lubuntu 19.04 also Disco Dingo because they're all they all are and uh, this one's really cool because they have added uh, Calamari's installer. But the the really cool thing about it is that they've had they've implement, implemented full disk encryption into this release for Calamari's, and that is always cool because that you know having encryption is a very nice benefit, and having it built into the installer makes it really easy to set up, which is fantastic. Also, they've updated the LXQt uh, environment to zero point fourteen point one which adds a lot of cool features and a lot of improvements in performance and bug fixes and that kind of thing. We actually talked about the, well, the, the LXQ 0.14 release previously in another episode. I don't remember what episode number that was, but I'll put it in the show notes when I find out what it is. So be sure to check out the show notes for that if you're interested in learning more about LXQt. But anyway, that's Lubuntu 19.04. And if you're interested in checking it out, I do suggest it's a great option, especially with the new lxq implementation that they're doing. It's really interesting. So let's get to the next flavor. And the next flavor we're going to talk about is Ubuntu Budgie 1904. And this has the latest version of Budgie 10.5. There's a lot of improvements to Budgie. There's a lot of uh, maintenance improvements and performance improvements, and this is included in this release. But what's specific to Ubuntu Budgie's uh, the flavor is Is interesting because they've decided to switch away from Nautilus and use Nemo as the file manager instead because it adds uh, desktop icons or it allows them to keep desktop icons because for some reason GNOME doesn't like those and Budgie does. So, or Ubuntu Budgie does so they added they decided to switch to Nemo which does which lets them keep desktop icons but it also adds a bunch of extra features like being able to do a split view and uh, and many other things that Nemo has as more that's more powerful than Nautilus and if you're not aware nemo is the Linux mint file manager that they maintain and they but they actually forked it from Nautilus right before or the the version before Nautilus started removing things so it's still a it's a pretty good uh, file manager, and they have improved it since then. So that's pretty cool that they add that. They've also changed the system theme for the, the default uh, look of Ubuntu Budgie, which is quite nice. I mean, fantastic job for that. And they've also added a new search tool called Catfish, which is also uh, involved in Zubuntu. And so if you haven't heard, that, heard of that and you haven't tried out Catfish, you should definitely do that. It's a really nice search tool. So that's uh, Ubuntu Budgie 19.04. Up next in the show is the next flavor of Ubuntu 19.04 releases, and that is Ubuntu Studio. This release is a really, really interesting release because of the extra stuff they're doing for the flavors as well as the release of itself. So this new version has a new theme that looks very nice, and like a very nice updated theme for this release. Uh, They have extra apps and tools that are available during the installer. You can choose to install it if you want to have these. They've also done a really cool thing. They added Carla, or Carla 2.0, and it's been replaced. Uh, it's been replacing the Jack Rack um, to add more functionality to Ubuntu Studio. So, if you're not aware, Carla is an audio plugin host. So it al- allows you to manage different types of plugins and um, implement them into Jack, for example. And it it supports like VST and L, L- L2 stuff. I can't remember what all of them, but anyway there's uh, it supports a lot of them and all the big main ones as well. So the interesting thing probably the most interesting thing is the Ubuntu Studio packages are now being packaged as a PPA for other Ubuntu flavors. So if you are a Kubuntu user or Ubuntu Budgie user or whatever, whatever what other flavor you might want to use, you can use Ubuntu Studio packages inside of those flavors. Awesome. That is so cool. So you can configure stuff much easier than, like, for example, one of the things people liked about a bunch of studios is that it gives you access to Jack and all these things automatically with having good setup and good defaults, and you don't have to worry about setting and configuring everything. But not everybody likes XFCE, so it kind of created an issue where you want all that, but you don't want to use XFCE. Now you can get all that in whatever flavor you want, and that is fantastic. Love it. So I look forward to trying it out in Kubuntu and other, ever, other flavors as well. So if you want to learn more about that, I have a link to the Ubuntu Studio uh, blog post as well as the links to all of the other flavors uh, in the show notes below. But let's move on to the next flavor. Up next in the show is the Kubuntu flavor of 1904, and it has updates to Plasma 5.15, which is the latest version of Plasma as of the recording of this episode. And also they've updated the KDE applications to the latest version of the KDE application stack at the time that was possible to release, which is 18.12.3. We're going to talk about the next release of 19.04 of the KDE applications, but unfortunately KDE decided to release the 19.04 packages, uh, all the applications and stuff, the same day as Kubuntu released 1904. So there was no way for them to include it because the stuff wasn't officially marked as stable and everything. So they couldn't include it. But if you're wondering why they have 1812 and not 1904, that's why. Um, But they also, they've got a lot of updates to various different applications that are really great to see because 1812 does add a lot of cool features to a lot of variety of applications. Um, But anyway, another thing great about Kubuntu is that with this release of 5.15, they've also said that the next version of plasma which will be coming out in june which is 5. Uh, did I say 5.16 okay 5.16 is coming out in june and they have said that the ppa for the backports ppa will be included for 1904 so if you decide to use 1904 with 5.15 you will be able to upgrade with it, or upgrade your plasma to 5.16 when it does come out so that's great and let's move on to the next topic or the next flavor and that is zubuntu up next in the show, like I said, is Zubuntu 19.04. Zubuntu is, is one of those distros that isn't known for having a lot of different updates, actually because it's built on XFCE, which itself is not known for being having a lot of updates. They actually typically release uh, the new versions of XFCE every two to three years or sometimes a little longer, and that's because they, they're focused on the stability of the DE, but at the same time they do um, have to update to like modern structures, but because like GTK3 versus GTK2, which they are doing. Um, so this release of Ubuntu actually includes some of those updates to the different applications and applets and structures of the next version of XFCE. So they are keeping up to date with some new technologies, which is really cool to see, even though the full version of XFCE is not out yet. And I do like the fact that they're testing out these things before the next LTS because I assume the XFCE uh, release will be fairly soon within this year, so or at least maybe early next year, because that's kind of the schedule that they're typically going to. So Ubuntu will more than likely have the next version in the LTS. So that'll be good. But in this release for 1904, they have a new shortcut, keyboard shortcuts for opening various different things. And one of the things that I really like about it is that they added a new feature in Thunar, where other file managers have it, but it's really nice to see more people adopt this because I I think it's a fantastic feature. It's a, it's a way to open a terminal based on the location that you are currently active in Thunar. So if you go in Thunar and you're in it, you're in your files and your folders, and then you you find a script that you want to run, and instead of going and like hitting Control L, which I think works in Thunar, uh, which opens the 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 location uh, bar and gives you access to edit the location, which you can totally do. Um, for this purpose if you wanted to but it's, a light, it's it's slightly longer so you copy the location and you can use it however you want like going to your terminal and then posting that and then doing um, like type like doing an autocomplete for whatever the file is however if you hit F4 in Thunar now it will just open a terminal with the location that you're currently at so you can just immediately start typing the uh, the name of the file that you want to launch so that is a nice feature And they've also decided to improve the ability to use catfish inside of Zubuntu as well with a new shortcut. So I think that's Control-Shift-F. So anyway, check it out if you're interested in XFCE and Zubuntu. So Zubuntu 19.04, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Now, next one is Ubuntu Mate. Up next in the show is Ubuntu Mate 19.04. And this release is an interesting release because of the things that they have decided to do based on the version of Mate that they're shipping, as well as some features that they've added for like support for remote desktop awareness, or RDA. Their uh, blog post says that uh, RDA makes Mate desktop more aware of its execution context so that it behaves differently when you run inside of a remote desktop session compared to when you're running on local hardware. Different remote technology solutions support different features, and now... Um, they can now be queried from the from within Mate components. The inclusion of the RDA offers the option to suspend your remote connection, support folder sharing in Kaja, Kaha, that's I think that's how you said actually, uh, not 100% sure. Kaha, let's go with that. Mime type bindings for SS, SSHFS shares and allow sus, uh, session suspension via the Mate screensaver. So that's a very cool improvement. They've also done an interesting thing where they have this, the benefit we talked about earlier about the NVIDIA, um, the graphics drivers being easier to, in, to install through NVIDIA's the uh, third party installer. On top of that, Ubuntu Mate made it possible to have a new applet displaying the NVIDIA uh, features so that uh, Optimus users could easily switch back and forth between what they're, what they're using for the different hybrid graphics. So that is cool. They've also uh, released some generic images for um, some various different things uh, including GP- the GPD Pocket and the GPD Pocket 2 which is really cool. Uh, if you have one of those uh, Ubuntu Mate would be a good option for that. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that the latest version of Mate Desktop 1.22 is not included inside of Ubuntu Mate 1904 and the reason they said for not doing it is stability. And that's because they say that the Mate Desktop 1.22 introduces some underlying API changes in core components. And while all first-party Mate Desktop applications are compatible and completely stable, some third-party applications are not, which could create some uh, issues for users who are trying to use uh, third-party software in the latest version of Ubuntu Mate if they were to have shipped the version of 1.22. So it had decided to keep 1.20 and instead backport some stuff from 22 into 20 for this release. So that's a good idea. If, if, if you know for a fact that there are things that would create is, uh, issues for the user experience for the new users or for just your the users in general, it is a good idea to not ship something if you know for sure that there's going to be a problems. So, I applaud the Ubuntu Monte team for doing uh for making the decision, the hard decision for sure, because a lot of people are going to want the new the new shiny, but to stick to the one that's the stable one and that would that would be 1.20. So, anyway, let's go to the next flavor and the last flavor of this episode we're going to talk about is Ubuntu Chillin. I think it's chillin. I'm next in the show, and the final Ubuntu flavor we're going to talk about this week is Ubuntu Chillin' 1904. The new visual style with a new boot up animation, new login screen or login splash screen, a uh, new desktop theme, and a lot of other things that they're doing, which is really nice. It actually kind of feels a lot like Windows, which which does make sense for uh, the Chinese uh, environment because they have a lot of people who are looking for the Windows, like very similar Windows feel so I, I kind and it it's, it's really close to it like it's almost like being a Windows mimic but at the same time has its own identity attached to it so it's an interesting approach there so if you want to check that out uh, do so to see at least to see what it looks like uh, they've also added some new transparency effects uh, to stuff like the start menu the taskbar the notification area and a lot of other things as well as made a new simplified network setting tool in their panel if you're not aware uh, the Ubuntu chillin team has their own custom um, DE, basically, that is a fork of the Mate desktop. So they took the Mate desktop and then made modifications for their usage in Ubuntu Kichilin. So that's um, that's pretty interesting as well. So if you want to check that out, I'll have a link to all of these flavors, as well as the main uh, distro release for Ubuntu 19.04 in the show notes below. Up next in the show is not a bunch of related, and that is KDE Applications 1904 has been released. Well, the KDE Applications, in the sense of like there's a wide variety of them, basically what happens is that the KDE community works on all these different applications and decide to release them all at the same time. So you have this big, giant influx of awesome software to try out every, through, every once in a while. I think it's every six months, roughly. No, sometimes. I don't think there's actually a particular time frame that they take. But um, they do have a roadmap of when the next one's coming out, so you can check that out if you want to. So, anyway, this particular release of 1904 for the KDE applications includes a lot of cool stuff. There's updates to Dolphin, so you can now have more preview types of files, so that you can have previews of Blender files, uh, Microsoft Office files, EPUBs for like, uh, you know, ebooks. There's also some improvements for the file manager, the smart tab placement on the file manager. There's this thing that It actually did bother me for a while, but I never really. It didn't really bother me that much to complain about it. Where when you have, let's say, you're in a folder on on Dolphin, you middle click with your scroll wheel on one of the folders, it will open that folder as a new tab. However, if you have multiple tabs, it would always just put that new tab at the very end. Now it's doing better placement, so. Instead of just moving it all the way to the end, it just moves it right next to the one you're currently in, so you can navigate much faster and more easily and more efficiently. So that's great. They've also made some more uh, practical way of tagging files inside of Dolphin, which is another fantastic thing. Uh, They've also done some you know improvements to SMB or Samba for uh, using of like sharing files back and forth between Windows systems, and if you want to do that. In addition to that, they've also done some improvements to Ocular, which is the doc viewer application, as well as KML, which uh, they've done some stuff for improving, like um, the, uh, giving ability to correct grammar, like kind of like Grammarly, and also adding itinerary uh, stuff for travel assistant with inside of Contact and KML. They've done some improvements to Console, making the tabs work much better. Uh, Spectacle has more options when taking screenshots. Uh, there's a. I have a whole list of stuff and link to the the actual post for KDE applications in the show notes. But the next thing I want to talk about there's two more and that is Gwenview. I'm a big fan of Gwenview. It's a really great application. It's uh it's also it's a it's an image viewer and organizer and it has a lot of nice uh, features. Um, they actually added some new features for touchscreen gesture support for panning, swiping, and zooming, which is pretty cool. But basically, there's actually another thing that a lot of people don't know about GwynView is that it has editing tools. Not really, like a little bit, but enough for like the basic fundamentals. So some people would like open an entire GIMP uh, session to just crop an image or to resize an image or rotate an image or whatever. And that is actually built into GwynView where you could just crop, resize, and rotate really easily, and that is awesome. Now, finally... The thing that i'm the most excited for is the 1904 version of caden live caden live actually has a big big update this one it's the new refractoring version of it the video editor has a new modification to like their timeline a heavy modification to their timeline and it's now qml powered Uh, they have separate tracks for the audio and video so when you input you put a clip on the timeline it automatically splits the audio and then the video into the different tracks Uh, They're still connected to each other and they're still in a group, but they auto split. And whether they used to have the audio like sitting on top of the video uh, clip element, Uh, so that's cool that they've they've it's it's more it's more pro. uh, That like the way that more pro uh, pro editors do it, having it split is kind of like like more transition. If somebody wants to try it out like that way, Uh, they've also uh, improved the keyboard navigation, so allowing you to use keyboard shortcuts to move around the timeline faster. Move clips around the timeline and all kinds of stuff, which is fantastic because I use Kden Live all the time to do this show, to do Destination Linux, to do other videos, and I created my own custom method of doing that. Now I can implement that as these as well, so I'm excited for that. They also added a new voiceover feature, which is really cool because it allows you to record, do an audio recording while you watch the uh, playback of the project you've done. So, you can, if you want to do like screen capture tutorials and do narration on top of it, you can do so. So, that's pretty cool. They've done a lot of other things. I'm just going to talk about one more thing, and that is the copy and paste uh, ability for effects in the projects of different projects. So, it's kind of weird, but uh, to be like saying that copy and paste is a new feature. But what's really cool about it is because you, let's say you have a project you already did and you created this cool effect and you wanted to reuse it. Uh, previously you had to just reopen that project or copy that or make a whole new copy of the project you made then go in and remove everything that you don't want to use that you want but you want to keep what you reuse and it's kind of messy that way. Now you can just copy and paste effects and stuff from one project to another, which is awesome and a lot more fluid And all, there's also uh, re- one of the reasons I really love Kaden K- 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 live is because I made a suggestion uh, to them. And they were like, oh, yeah, we already have that built into it. We'll activate it, do some testing, and we'll have it in 1904. And they do have it. And it's only been a week since I talked to them about it. And I have it in there now. So that part is impressive, too. Like, they do a lot of great work. And I am so happy to uh, see all the new Kden live. I mean, if you're not not aware, I'm kind of a KDE fan. Um, I do like other things. It's not like I'm all exclusively a fan of KDE. But I'm a fan of their work because they make a lot of cool stuff. I mean, there's also some stuff that is not my favorite, but Kaden Live, for example, is my favorite video editor. So I'm excited to try that out. Unfortunately, I won't be doing it this weekend because I've got to do a show. You know, don't want to have like change my whole workflow. But I am looking forward in a future episode and let you know how I um, how, what my experience was with, with of trying the whole new version of 1904. So if you'd like to learn more about the uh, various different applications for K- KDE 1904 release. I have a link to them in the show notes. Up next in the show is the 1904 release of PopOS or Pop exclamation underscore OS, and that is the new version based on the Ubuntu version that was just released. And they also have a lot of interesting things that they are doing uh, on their version. Not just not just taking you know Ubuntu and then reskinning it like like you might, some people might think about because like, it kind of looks like that. Uh, but it's it's there's a lot of uh, cool stuff that they are doing, particularly in this release, that I wanted to, to bring up. So first of all, they've added a new slim mode, which maximizes screen real estate by reducing the height of the headers on the application windows. To be fair, like, CSDs, the, uh, the header bars that are in, like, GNOME, look good, but they waste a lot of space. So I wish they were, you know, much thinner or... Allow you to do a different paradigm, uh, but that's great because now Pop OS is allowing you to do that. Uh, they've also m- implemented a dark mode, so you can have applications having like the nice dark t- dark mode with a nighttime viewing, that kind of thing. And this, these are settings that you can just check on a checkbox in the system settings or the appearance settings. Uh, they also did a new uh, update, a new a new structure in their. This particular release of 1904 called the Refresh Install, and what it does is essentially give you a recovery partition where you can reinstall Pop OS without losing any like user information or like data in your home directories and on any of that. So it just like refreshes the main system core stuff using this recovery partition approach. And it's really interesting that they are doing this because it it makes it a lot easier to kind of clean up your system after a while. Like, say you use it for a year and you want to. You know, there's a lot of software that you don't want to use anymore. You can get rid of that software and really quickly just start from scratch again. And then, you know, add some like adds a few that you want and that kind of thing. It's an interesting approach. Um, They've also pointed out that this one is not available for people who upgrade. It's only for uh, brand new installations. So if you already have 1810 version, you upgrade, you're not going to be able to get this feature. So you'd have to be a full fresh install in order to get this. Uh, PopOS also has the new version of 5.0, as well as the updated to GNOME that Ubuntu offers. Um, in addition to that, they have now added um, Game Hub and Lutris to the Pop Shop, so you can uh, easily install both of those uh, game hub systems, uh, Game Hub and Lutris, and because they're both hubs for games. Anyway. And as like, like I've said before in a previous epi- episode of the show, I really like the name of some of the stuff that Pop! OS is doing because the Pop! Shop is fun. And another installation media creator tool for Pop! OS is called Popsicle. Because why not? And I think that's fun. Anyway, so they've, they've done, done some improvements to that and fixed some reliability for that as well. So if you're interested in checking out more, uh, Pop! OS 1904, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. And also quick note... Uh, Another cool feature that PopOS has is that they have two different versions for AMD versus NVIDIA users. So you pick the version of the hardware that you have and you pick that ISO, install that one, and it will automatically have the drivers for your system available to you rather than having to install after the fact. So that's a cool feature. Anyway, I have a link to 1904 PopOS in the show notes. Up next in the show is some updates we got for the dev kits of both the PinePhone and the Librem 5. So the PinePhone, we got some information and we also got a video. I have a screenshot of the video in the video version of this episode. But if you want to watch the actual video of them running it, uh, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. But right now what it is is that PinePhone has the Linux 5.0 kernel running with postmarket OS on Wayland with the Weston compositor. So this video demonstrates that it is functioning with Wayland on the PinePhone, which is very cool now we also got some information about the prototypes for the pine phones are expected to be shipping next quarter in quarter three and at the end the also that the actual shipping of the devices is planned or aiming towards beginning at the end of the year so that is really exciting I am totally excited for the pine phone because it's a very reasonably priced phone well with some reasonably uh, powerful hardware not like really powerful but like still pretty cool and the Librem 5, for example, has a new update for the progress of the dev kit with uh, the, some videos that they have shared. So they made a video showing the uh, how fast the system boots, which is less than 10 seconds. I think it was like 7 or 8 seconds or something. They also uh, show some videos where they received a voice call and that was functioning properly on the dev kit. They've used the, text, uh, the chat application for sending and receiving text messages. You can uh, browse the web and watch videos. They also showed another video showing that the voice calling from DevKit to DevKit totally works right now. So that is really cool. I am excited to see where this is going because I, I and I, hopefully they're they're planning to also have Librem Five around this this the end of this year. So I can't wait to see and to try out both of these. Uh, but the uh, Librem Five is a little bit more expensive, so. I'll probably start with the Pine phone at least, Uh, but I am looking at trying out both of them because they they both look really, really cool. So if you'd like to learn more about the Pine phone or the Librem 5, I have a link to the show notes below to both the the blog post for the Librem 5 and the video for the Pine phone. If you haven't heard about the Pine phone before, it is a a new phone that's going to be coming out from the Pine 64 people. And uh, we actually talked about the PinePhone when it first announced uh, that, that it was coming in January. So I'll have a link to that episode in the show notes below if you'd like to learn more. So yeah, PinePhone, Librem 5, can't wait. Up next in the show is a brand new release of a, pro- a project that I just recently found that is really interesting, and that is called Translate Shell. This release is 0.9.6.10, and uh, this is a really cool thing because it is a sh- is a command line tool that allows you to have a translator using Google Translate, Bing Translator, Yandex Translate, and many more that allows you to essentially use a com- the command line to translate something to one language to another. You can also use it in a scripting format, so you can take the output and use it however you wanted to. So this is a really cool idea. I'm not really sure what I would personally use it for as far as like scripting something, but okay, that's not true. I have thought of something, because they have 120 languages that are available in this, well, at least 120, I think there's more than 120, but I think there's at least 120, you know, and uh, one of those languages is Klingon, so the first script I would write is random translations of words to Klingon, so yes, I did did think of something I would use this for, (laughs) So anyway, if you'd like to check out Translate Shell, I have a link to their GitHub page in the show notes. Up next in the show is the latest release of 8.0, OpenSSH. This is actually has a very important security fix that is included for the SCP um, security uh, vulnerability that, that showed up a while back. We talked about it. Uh, which is for copying files to and from remote systems. So up until now, when you copy files uh, from remote systems to a local directory, SCP was not verifying the file names of what was being sent to the server or from the server to the client. And that could allow some hostile stuff or some attacking uh, attack vector, um, basically, with these local files. So you could get unexpected local files from this, you know, like a middleman type thing. Anyway, this actually has been fixed inside of OpenSSH now. So the client-side checking um, has been added to SCP, so that you are now able to uh, not be affected by this vulnerability. However, at the same time, the OpenSSH developers still recommend using against it, any, using it, or recommend against using it anyway, and instead they suggest using SFTP, which is SSH over FTP, rsync, or some other alternatives to do so. Uh, the SCP protocol is outdated. This is oh, they, this is their words, by the way. The SCP protocol is outdated, inflexible, and not readily fixed. We recommend to use a more modern protocol anyway, like SFTP or rsync for file transfer instead. So while it does improve this uh, issue, it um it they really don't want you. To, they suggest not using it anyway. So I do want to also point out that there's some uh, cool features new or something new that they added support for more uh, types of SSH keys, which is really nice because they're just like rounding out some extra key support. And that's great. So if, anyway, if you want to learn more about OpenSet SSH and about this particular release, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. Up next in the show is this really, th- really cool thing I wanted to... Um, promote, really. It's not, not necessarily Linux-related, although it is open-source-related, but I wanted to show it because it is just very, very cool. So, the op- the Blender Animation Studio from the Blender Institute created a new short film called Spring. The way they describe it is the story of a shepherd girl and her dog who faced, ancients, who faced ancient spirits in order to continue the cycle of life. I watched it. It is very cool. There's actually no dialogue. It's just a really interesting... Experience, like a visual experience and it's kind of poetic in the way that they just like the way they show it it's really fun i like it um but anyway what's why i brought it up is because this is actually being this was created with a development version of blender for the newest version 2.8 which is coming out sometime this year they haven't said when but fairly soon is what they're saying and uh it's really really impressive worth checking out i have a link to it in the show notes uh but also they have um, they've made it so that the character and the asset files for this film are available for free and open source and all that on the Blender Cloud, and they're also working on tutorials, walkthroughs, and other instructional material for this particular film that they will be releasing so we can show you how they made it. So that is awesome. And if you're curious, they also say that the only things, the only tools included in making this video, is or the short film, is Blender, GIMP, and Krita. So everything open source to make it and everything that they use to make it and everything that they have made is now open. Love Blender. Anyway, so if you're curious about l- watching this, uh, you know, learning about Blender itself, it's it's a complicated tool, just so you know. It's got a huge barrier to entry, entry and 2.8 will also have a very different barrier for uh, many, in many ways. So just there's a fair warning there, but... I will have a link to the movie as well as the blog post about the movie in the show notes below. Up next in the show is some good news for KDE Plasma users who are wanting to try out Wayland but use NVIDIA hardware. The NVIDIA EGL streams have been merged into KWin, so the backend, the EGL streams backend for KWin, is now merged into the, the the project, so that you can have support for Wayland compositing via Plasma and Nvidia's. So like if you are, if you have AMD card or processor, you don't have to worry about support for cuz it's built into the kernel, so you could go ahead and use plasma that way. But for the Nvidia users, you had to wait until EGL streams was available, and now it is. So KDE Plasma 5.16, which is coming this summer, r- sometime around June, I forgot what the date was, but uh, this will allow you to use the proprietary Nvidia Linux driver stack on Wayland in Plasma. So, that's cool. That just shows that NVIDIA does somewhat attempt to care sometimes, and that's nice. There was a an episode a while back we talked about how NVIDIA was being very um, conflicting about how who should be making that, doing that work to make it work in Plasma. And uh, apparently, NVIDIA has now agreed that it's them, because of course it is. It's proprietary drivers that they want to work, and if they want someone who's open source developer to do it that they should make it open. So makes sense, and I'm glad that they have changed their mind and are now embracing that part. Not the open part, but at least the support on Wayland. So that's good. Anyway, if you'd like to learn more about this particular topic, I'll have a link to the GitHub co- uh, commit in the show notes, as well as an interesting article from uh, the Pharonix people who covered this earlier this week. So I have that link- links to those in the show notes. Next in the show, we got some good news about the MPEG-1 and MPEG-2 formats and codecs uh, for... Uh, Linux now, actually everyone, because they are now open and free to use without any, you know, licensing or patent uh, uh, nonsense stuff. Um, so according to the actual, the Fedora legal team it is now okay to ship MP- MPEG-1 and MPEG-2 implementations with Fedora and therefore pretty much anything else as well, because it's, you know, the the reason I'm using is Fedora as an example, because there's the first people I've seen talking about it um, as far as like being available right now. So, and also, the, they put a lot of if, Fedora is very, uh, very much into the openness of what they include in the distribution. So, if they're going to say that it's possible, more than likely it is. So, um, and it's interesting also to note that the MPEG 2 format is still um, not, I don't know how heavily it's used, but it is used a significant amount for over the air HD broadcasts. So, in certain circumstances, this codec is still pretty, pretty viable. It also joins the now open MP3 format, uh, which the patent for that ended last year, I think. So MPEG-1, MPEG-2, and MPEG-3 are all uh, patent-free and open to be used and implemented in whatever to improve support for all kinds of stuff, which is awesome. MPEG, uh, MP4, on the other hand, uh, will not become open until 2027, but that's okay because pretty soon MP4 will be irrelevant because the open source AV1 um, replacement will likely, not only is a good, a good uh, open standard, It's it's trying to be an open standard, it is actually likely to become that standard because of all the different massive corporations that are backing this as a standard. So eventually, everything that matters will be open as far as video codecs go, which is awesome. So anyway, if you'd like to learn more about this, I have a link to this uh, post from fedora in the show notes below up next in the show is an update and a sale that is going on for rocket League now if you're not aware um i you've never watched the show before you're not aware about i haven't talked about it in a while well a little while i'm a big fan of rocket League you could argue addicted to rocket League but i wouldn't i wouldn't say i'm addicted I could quit anytime I want to So speaking of Rocket League, uh, Rocket League has introduced a new uh, Rocket Pass or Rocket Pass Three, and has a lot of cool items: new car, new skins, new wheels, new boosts, new trails, all kinds of new stuff. And most of it is really good, actually. Um, They also made a new weekly challenge system that allows you to uh, do certain challenges throughout the week. And every every week, there's a new system and new challenges. And what it does is it allows you to uh, progress through the rocket pass faster and get more items than you could previously on other rocket passes. Um, another thing that's cool is that the while during the right right now during this uh, recording, as well as until the end of next week or so, actually maybe a little later, um, the Rocket League game is currently on sale for on Steam with forty percent off. You can get the regular game for like $12, or you can get the Game of the Year Edition for um, $15, which is actually a pretty good deal because that gives you four different DLCs, including a bunch of different cars and stuff. And one of the DLCs has one of the most popular cars. So it's definitely worth getting because you pay basically $2 for each DLC, or in this case, you pay $3 to get all four. So I highly suggest if you're going to get the game, definitely get the Game of the Year Edition. It's worth it. And also, Rocket League's awesome. So there's that. Speaking of Game of the Year editions, Witcher 3 Game of the Year is actually on sale right now at the Humble Store. And it's going to be on sale for a couple days. I think like a day and uh, like 20 hours from the recording of this. So by the time this releases tomorrow, it'll be maybe a day left. So if you want it, it's uh, you know it's $15 right now, 75, 70% off. And it is pretty cool, even though i got to give you a little bit of caveat. It is not a native Linux game, but it has lots of good reports on ProtonDB, and Lutris also says that they support using Witcher 3 as well. So it is possible to play the game on Linux, it's just not native to Linux. So, there's that. But it's it actually is worth it, because the regular price, I think is like $50, and the current price right now is $15 USD. So... It seems like a pretty good deal, especially with a game of the year edition where you get all the DLCs and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Also, it's worth noting that this is not a Steam version. It is the GOG version of the game. So you still will be able to use Proton with GOG. It's just a little bit more complicated to do it. Um, But it's still possible. And also, Lutris might make it easier to do it as well. So worth checking out. I purchased it myself. I think it's worth it because, uh, well... Witcher a, was a cool series, so I am looking forward to play Witcher 3, and I had no intention of getting it uh, until it was available on Linux. But now that it's a really good deal, eh, Proton's good enough, That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, also it's worth noting, this is a humble store link, so the link in the description and in the show notes is an affiliate link which is a small percentage goes to the Tux Digital channel and this podcast if you were to use it. So, if you do decide to purchase it, I would appreciate it for you to use that link so that uh, Humble knows that that I sent you to them. So, it's also worth noting that GOG.com, the games on GOG, are DRM free, which is really cool. So, that means this game is DRM free. So, it makes it a lot easier for stuff to work like through Proton and everything. Uh, So, that's cool. And... I uh, just got a, I got an update from the live stream and the live chat that someone is using or playing Witcher Three under Proton right now while watching the show. So that is awesome. So if you're interested in getting the game, I'll have a link to it in the show notes. And if you're interested in checking out the live stream, I do this live stream every Saturday. Okay, usually every Saturday, and I talk. We do this the this, this show recorded live. So you can have a conversation with me with me and everybody else in the live chat uh, during the recording of different segments because after each segment we also just have like a little bit of a conversation about the topic or just anything in general. So there's that. If you're interested in try, uh, checking out the live stream it's uh, tuxdigal.com slash live usually every Saturday currently at any some random time during the day. I'll just follow me on t- uh, Twitter or Mastodon Or join the Tux Digital Telegram group. And uh, I typically share the information that I'm going live there. Or all three of those. So there you go. Up next in the show is a really big update. Uh, It doesn't seem like a big update. But it is a big update for the Valve Steam Play. Because of what it entails for the future. So they've updated the uh, 3.16-9 version of the Proton series. Which is the old version. The current version is Proton 4.2-3. And it has a lot of major changes, including Wine Mono is now as now included. Uh, they this should enable many XNA games, uh, Unreal Engine 3 games, some other game launchers, and many more to work with Proton. So some of the titles that are possible to work because of this change: Evacron Mercenary, and also Warframe and Age of Empires 2 HD Edition. Uh, this also includes an update to DXVK. 1.0.3 and F Audio updated to 19.04. The creator of FNA F Audio and also works on Steam scene play development Ethan Lee, he actually mentioned in the FNA Discord recently that Proton 4.2 has FNA as the XNA 4.0 implementation. And in his words, he says, "This means that all Windows-only XNA games on Steam now use FNA's Windows support when you want run Steam on Linux. It essentially puts the tools we've been using to hackport XNA games and drops them into the hands of every single user on Steam when it comes to increasing the catalog size and user base. This is pretty hard to top. That is awesome. So it there's so much more potential for Proton to make become even more impactful, even though it already is very impactful. So, awesome. Uh... Anyway, if you want to learn more about this, I'll have a link to the GamingOnLinux.com article about this in the show notes. Up next in the show is some more great news for Linux gamers, and that is SuperTuxKart 1.0 has been released. SuperTuxKart, if you're not aware, is kind of like an open source, not necessarily clone, but very similar to Mario Kart, and it is really cool because it has a lot of different mascots for the various different open source and Linux based projects like GIMP, uh, Ubuntu, KDE, uh, Tux, you know the, the Tux the Penguin which is also where the name of Tux Digital comes from if you're not aware and uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff and that's where Super Tux, Super Tux Cart comes from too anyway <laughs> so uh, 1.0 is a really cool release because there's a lot of cool features. There's improvements to the textures, there's improvements to new maps and uh, replacement of maps, uh, community maps being included into the main track set, and also all kinds of stuff. But the biggest and most important feature that was added is network play. You can now play SuperTux Cart online with friends, no matter where they are, through network you know network playing. So that is awesome this is one of the things i've been waiting for a long time to play like super tux cart you know online with people it's it's i've been wanting this for a very long time and i'm so happy to see that they're actually doing it Uh, and also by the way the 1.0 thing is not necessarily related to you know how new it is because it might you might think that 1.0 is like oh it's brand new but it's actually been around they've been working on it for years um, and I think 18 years is the total age of the game, but uh, they just never wanted to say that it was fully ready until they had something like networking to be available, and now that they do, they have now decided to do a major release name or version change to 1.0, which is really cool. I'm super happy about this. I can't wait to do the, um, you know, play online with, the well, actually, all of you in the community, we can do like a community uh, roundtable of, you know, super tux kart and also some other modes cuz i just got notice which is awesome and ridiculous and i love it anyway uh thanks to arthur in the chat from the tux super tux kart team he said that the soccer mode inside of super tux kart is available to play online as well as some other m- modes as uh, that are available so i can't wait we're going to do some uh we're going to do some racing in super tux kart also maybe some soccer games because why not? Uh, just because it's so ridiculous. You know. Anyway, if you are interested, be sure to join the telegram group for tuxdigital.com slash telegram or the um, the discord server, uh, tuxdigital.com slash discord. And we'll probably be playing the game in Discord. So if you are interested, uh, be sure to join that so we can you can join the conversation for the the community games, I'll probably be streaming them. So even if you don't want to play, and just want to watch, that is going to be available as well. I don't know when we're going to do this, but we will be doing it soon, and I can't wait to do it. So probably not this coming week, but definitely the one after. So be sure to join the Telegram group and the Discord server if you'd like to learn more. Uh, Also, I'll, I'll be posting some, like, when I actually decide, like, figure out what day it will be. I'll make a video announcing it on the channel. So there's that. So you won't necessarily miss out if you are interested in trying it out, even if you don't join those things. But, you know, join the conversation in the community as well anyway. So if you'd like to join those, that's an option. So anyway, SuperTux cart, I'll have a link to the latest release in the show notes, as well as a download for the game uh, in the show notes below. So yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you'd like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the Tux Digital channel, we have multiple ways to contribute, via PayPal, Patreon, and many others. You can learn more by going to TuxDigital.com contribute. Or you can order the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt by going to TuxDigital.com slash Everywhere. Or if you're in Europe, you can go to TuxDigital.com slash EU for shipping inside of Europe. And I know I did say last week I was going to make a better URL for that, and I didn't. But I might do it next week. I will for sure do it by the week after that. So give myself like a little bit of leeway, but yeah, it's going. Also, by the way, it's not just a t-shirt. There's also a long sleeve shirt. There's hoodies. Uh, there's uh, stickers. You can get all kinds of stuff. So if you were just thinking it was just a t-shirt because that's typically what I say, that's not accurate. There's other things as well. And we also have ways to contribute without any cost to you by using our affiliate links. You can find links for places like uh, Amazon, Private Internet Access, and many more by going to tuxdigital.com/slash affiliates if you like some more podcasting goodness for me then check out the latest episode of destination linux as i'm a co-host of that show and just a reminder this show is live usually every saturday so join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest linux news each week including this week which i was live for so there's that thanks again for watching i'm michael tonnell with tux digital and as always keep using learning and enjoying linux